So welcome to everyone for our Christmas Sunday service. And we want to welcome those here with us today and those online. And we especially want to thank those who have come this weekend for our retreat, the Inner Christ, Awakening the Inner Christ. And we so enjoyed our satsang with you yesterday. It was lovely. And we hope your journey home today will be safe and filled with thoughts of what you learned during this time. So we have a beautiful reading from Rays of the One Light. These are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. So this reading is, What was the star of Bethlehem? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Divine vision is the opposite of worldly sight. Divine vision sees God's presence behind all outward appearances. Worldly sight sees appearances merely, coding even the blazing wisdom of a saint. A master to a worldly man is a human being with perhaps a slightly better attitude than the norm. The scriptures therefore strive to demonstrate how the divine consciousness, when openly active among men in the lives of great masters, must never be viewed as an expression of ordinary human consciousness. To seek the presence of divinity behind the life of a great master is to prepare oneself to recognize that same divinity also in lower manifestations, until at last one beholds God everywhere. Thus it was that Paramahansa Yogananda, on observing his new disciple, Swami Kriyananda, struggling with the contrast between the guru's human appearance and his inner divine reality, looked at him deeply one day and said, if you only knew my consciousness. The story of the birth of Jesus Christ contains an account in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2, of the star of Bethlehem. The wise men who sought Jesus in his manger said, we have seen his star in the east, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. This account was important, for it showed all mankind that Jesus was a divine incarnation and no ordinary man, that he brought divine consciousness to earth, even though he would play a human role among human beings, and that others too, by receiving him in their inner hearts, would acquire power, as the Holy Bible puts it, to become 
the sons of God. The scriptures enjoin us to meditate on the lives of great souls that we may discover our own latent spiritual greatness. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the fourth chapter, who knows the truth touching my births on earth and my divine work, when he quits the flesh, puts on its load no more, falls no more down to earthly birth, to me he comes, dear Prince. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. Good morning. I too want to welcome all of you and also all of those who are watching online. Um, you know, it's an odd thing to, in a sense, it's useless to tell someone to think of God because there's nothing else we can think of. When you think of your neighbor, when you think of the stock market, when you think of the troubles in the Middle East, you're thinking of God. The difference between a master or a, a saint and us is that they know that they're thinking of God when they think of those things. We think we're thinking of the neighbor or the stock market or the troubles. And because we're in that delusion, um, we get confused. We think everything is separate. That's really the only difference. We'll get there by and by. Yogananda wrote these beautiful prayer demands called Whispers from Eternity. And this is one of the most important of all his prayer demands. And in fact, the only one that I know of in here that has a little kind of a parenthetical statement after the end of it says, this demand especially should be repeated mentally with deep concentration until the prayer thought becomes fixed in your superconsciousness by the conviction born of deep faith. And so with that parenthetical thought, let's listen to this prayer demand. Demand for the opening of the spiritual eye to find God in everything. Exactly what I was saying in that little preface. My eyes are enthralled, O Father, with the birth beauty of earthly flowers, with life's passing scenes, and with the sailing silent clouds. Everywhere, all I see hints at thy presence. Open that eye in me which sees only thee. With that gaze, may I behold thee above, beneath, all around, within, and outside me. Teach me in all things to see only thee. Open in me that eye which beholds everywhere thy hidden but ever subtly reigning wonder. So this opening of the spiritual eye is particularly pertinent to today's talk for two reasons. One, the star of Bethlehem 
is symbolic of that spiritual eye. And I'll talk about that. Secondly, when the entirety of the opening of that consciousness of the spiritual eye that allows you to see God everywhere, then we merge with the Christ. We merge with Christ consciousness. So people are sometimes a little confused about what Christ consciousness is. And there's the best advice I could give you is read or reread the chapter in the autobiography of a yogi called An Experience in Cosmic Consciousness. That is the description of what the Christ consciousness is. And so to review that a little bit, Yogananda, it, the chapter starts in a very interesting way. Yogananda had left his guru's ashram thinking that he could find God up in the Himalayas, and he didn't. And he left behind his duties, and he went against the gentle advice of his guru, Sri Yukteswar. The chapter begins with him returning from the Himalayas, making that trip back to the source of wisdom and expecting to be chastised by the wisdom. In fact, he finds the exact opposite. He finds universal love and acceptance. And that opens his heart, he said, to prepare him for the experience in cosmic consciousness. And then a couple of days, a few days later, his guru calls him to him and gives him that experience. He taps him above the heart and the breath goes out of him and Yogananda, his consciousness expands. And first he describes it as his consciousness expanding so that instead of seeing just forward with our two eyes as we do, he sees in 360 degrees, and he sees not only the things that the eyes normally see, but as if kind of with x-ray vision, he sees through things. He sees a cow that's walking along the lane, and there's a fence, a kind of a brick wall that uh, blocks that lane from, the, from where he's standing. And he sees the cow, whether the cow is behind the brick wall, sees it just as clearly when it passes the open gate and continues just as clearly as it goes again behind that wall. And he sees trees and he sees the life force in the roots of trees. And his consciousness begins to expand and expand and expand until it goes out to the farthest reaches of creation. But and here's the really important thing, is he doesn't just see that. He realizes that what he is seeing is his own self. He is seeing his self that has become taking on different appearances, has become everything. And he says, then I realized that the center of this vast imperium, all of creation, is a point of intuitive perception in my own heart. That's the experience of Christ consciousness. That's what 
um, Jesus came as a symbol because he brought with him that Christ consciousness. And so he came, Jesus, Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's Jesus the Christ. And so that's, it's a title, meaning that he had this Christ consciousness. In India, uh, Krishna has Krishna consciousness. And so this state of the awareness of ourselves being unified with everything is the state of Christ consciousness. And that is what was born on Christmas Day, along with the baby Jesus. And that ultimately is what is going to be born on our Christmas Day in us, our Christ Consciousness Day or our Krishna Consciousness Day. But coming back to this beautiful little story of the Star of David, there isn't much written in the Bible. I, I looked. Um, it's nice to check these things, especially if you have to talk about them. <laughs> and only Matthew mentions it. And it's just a little bit. He says that three, or he doesn't even say three. He says wise men came from the east and they came first to King Herod um, saying that they were seeking the, um, the birth of the savior or the, uh, or the uh, new king of Israel. And of course, this didn't go down very well with Herod because he thought he was the king of Israel. And so he said, go and find this child and then come back and tell me where he is because I too would like to go and uh, pay him my respects. And so the wise men go and they are following the star. They have come from the east and they see a star that's in the east and they're following that until it comes and uh, stops above the, um, where the child is in Bethlehem. Now, Swami points out on a factual basis, there's something really fishy going on here. It just, it does not work. If you're traveling from the east and the star is in the east and you're going toward the star, which direction are you going? You aren't going west. And so that's the first thing that's wrong. Now, the solution to that is that the, in our body, the top of the head is north, the bottom of the spine is south. This part in front of us is the east, and behind us is the west. So the solution to that is that they were following the light that was seen in the east, meaning in their own spiritual perception or forehead, and they were following that intuitively. Then Swami also points out a second thing that's wrong with this account. What heavenly body ever stops over something? Now, you could, you could get yourself positioned in such a way that let's say Venus or the full moon was over the temple here. And so you might say, well, that star 
is over the little town of Bethlehem. But if you move over to the expand uh, to the buildings over there, the moon is no longer behind this building because it's it's afar and it's in a vast distance and so it doesn't stay stationary over something. But of course the story here is really highly symbolic. And so the story of the symbol of the wise men following the light that stops over the place where the birth of Christ consciousness takes place is just very highly symbolic. And as was pointed out in the reading, it's important because those wise men are and the star, the heavenly celestial phenomenon, is saying this isn't the birth of a normal child. This is the birth of some of a child that's special, in this case, an avatar. Now, there's something even more interesting to this story. Master said quietly, because it wasn't expedient to talk about this a whole lot a hundred years ago, now we can talk more openly. He said that the three wise men were three, and they were Babaji, Lahiri, and Sri Yukteswar. And they came at the time of the birth of Jesus to honor him. And then when Jesus, there are 17 years missing from the Bible, from the story of the most important person in that religion, you'd think somebody would fill in that gap somehow. Well, the reason that the gap didn't get filled in is because Jesus left and went back, went, returned that visit, went to India and studied with the great masters preparing for his mission, uh, which when he came back, he was, you know, 30 years old or something of that sort. And um, then he began his mission and then the Bible picks up again at that time. And so the fact that that this visit came from the wise men from the East, they were avatars, they were masters themselves coming to empower the mission which would be life-changing to the world, world-changing mission. And here, 2,000 years later, um, it's, it's still going on. And um, for those of you who were not a part of the um, community satsang that we had on Wednesday night, uh, Davy and I read our blogs, and I've written a little Christmas story about this, which will come out next Friday, which is Christmas Eve. And it tells the story of what happens when the three men arrive at the stable with, with Jesus. So you'll enjoy reading that. I hope you'll enjoy reading that. You'd better enjoy reading that. <laughs> okay, so, so far we've been talking about the outer layer of this, and it's an interesting story, but it's not what's really going on. What's really going on is that this journey of the wise men 
following the star is symbolic of the universal journey that all of us have to make. And in fact, it's the universal story of what life is all about and what the purpose of life is all about. And so what's going on inwardly is that this, the star represents the light which is seen at the spiritual eye. When we achieve Christ consciousness, we will achieve it at this point. So the, the spiritual eye, which is um, inside, it's one might say the projection of the, it's the positive pole of, of the sixth chakra, or it's the projection of light uh, that resides in the spine. Uh, the shape of that spiritual eye is a golden uh, halo with a deep blue field and a five-pointed white star in the middle of it. So that's the spiritual eye, which will be seen clearly in meditation when we become calm enough. So following the star means that we're trying to get to the point where that star is. We're trying to see that star. Now, it isn't a Christian symbol, a Buddhist, a Muslim, uh, a Jewish symbol. It, it's a universal reality. In Assisi, they wanted to have a beautiful representation of the spiritual eye made. And because one of the um, members, one of the leaders there, Naria, his family were in the glass making industry in Venice, where they make beautiful Venetian glass. And so he went to one of these really beautiful, wonderful artisans to have him make out of glass a representation of that. And when he described it, the artist said, what is that? Tell me, what is that? I've been seeing that image since I was a young child. Tell me what that is. And so that universal uh, outer symbol of the star, we all are going to see that. We all do see it, although maybe it's just a little muddy. When we sit to meditate, we lift up our eyes because the consciousness follows the eyes, and we look into the light at the forehead. That is the journey of the wise men, trying to make that journey toward the star. Now, their outward journey was some, you know, if, if the distance between New Delhi and Jerusalem is like 2,500 miles, so it took them months and months to travel physically to make that journey and to go back. And so that arduous journey is again symbolic of our journey in trying to, with our consciousness, with our life force, reach to and merge with that star. One of our ministers, Ananta, said something very amusing and very true many years ago. He said, um, people say the spiritual path is so long. It isn't so long. It's about three feet long. 
It's from the base of your spine to your spiritual eye. And so that journey of 2,500 miles is really a journey of three feet, or you could say it's a journey of no distance at all, really. But speaking metaphysically or symbolically, that journey of following the star is us trying to calm and withdraw our life force, which is otherwise outward, under the reign of King Herod, who doesn't want us to follow that star and wants us to, to go back and tell him where we found it. This again is repeated over and over and over. It's the story of the Mahabharata, the fight between the two clans, the, the battle between who Master called King Material Desire, Duryodhana, and the forces of the chakras or the light with Krishna guiding them, Krishna, Krishna consciousness. So symbolically, this story is repeated in different religions. It's not because the different religions are copying each other. In fact, uh, the Christian missionaries said that the Bhagavad Gita had to have been written after uh, the, the scripture was written about Jesus, the Bible. They said, well, it had to be written after that because there are so many similarities that they must have copied it. Well, every spiritual journey is the same thing. It's the, and we're going to hear it uh, symbolically represented as the story of the flight of the little bird in, in the festival that we'll read in a few minutes. So the consciousness goes out. The consciousness begins from God. After all, as I said at the beginning, that's all that exists, everything, period is God. But in order to carry on the drama, God takes a part of his consciousness and he sends it out on a long journey like that little bird represented by that little bird. And that journey is possible only in consciousness because ultimately that on, that's all that exists. But it makes the little bird think that he's separate from everything else. So our little spark of individuality becomes, by extension, the ego that thinks that we're separate. And that ego, at its deeper level, knows that it isn't and wants to get home. We're basically like salmon, you know? We've been born, we go out into the sea, we swim around, but then ultimately, we have to, we're impelled, we want to swim our way back up that spinal river and come back to the place of our birth. We're born from God, we want to and must return to God. And so that journey ultimately is the journey of this spiritual path and it's always the same everywhere, no matter how different cultures or different times or religions might, um, might present it. It's basically the same 
eternal universal story and you and I are part of it and really all we're trying to do is overcome our delusion that we aren't a part of it our delusion that we're separate from it and that's what is represented by the journey of the wise men so all of us being as I said during the fire ceremony, we're all apprentice wise men and we're studying. That's why Krishna says, he who knows the truth of my births. And Swami goes on to say that we should study the lives of these great saints. The outward study, the reading about them doesn't give us the experience, but it gives us the motivation and the direction needed to want that experience. But that experience comes ultimately always within our own self because nothing else exists. So within our own self, we simply, the journey of this spiritual path is simply this, to calm ourselves sufficiently to go into that great state now, I mentioned that it's the state of, um, that, of cosmic consciousness that Yogananda talked about in that beautiful, pivotal chapter. He ends the chapter by saying something very interesting. He said that, as often as I was able to stop or calm the twin tumults of breath and restless mind, I return to that state. And so one can say that the whole of the spiritual path is the journey to try to, to um, still the tumults of the breath, which represents the, the breath is our, our energy or our life force and the reason that we breathe is because it's going outward. It's in, out, in, out. Um, it's rhythmical and it's, it's dual. But when we stop that breath, we're still alive. Our life force is still alive, but it's now completely contained within the deep spine, within our own true self. And when that happens, the restless mind begins to calm down and then we perceive that light clearly but just as Yogananda did in that chapter we don't look at the light we perceive that we are that light and in that light that's when we even have a glimmer of that light that's the birth of the baby Christ consciousness within us, the searching for it, the yearning to go there, the willingness to make that journey, however long, however arduous it may seem, is the journey that every soul must ultimately make. And you and I are deeply, deeply blessed that we want to make that journey. And as Yogananda said, every desire has to be fulfilled. 
And so the desire to make that journey, the desire to ultimately unite with the Christ consciousness, when that desire arises in our consciousness, the grand game is almost over. And you and I have that desire strongly. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be watching this. And so I think that we've probably left King Herod, Jerusalem. We're traveling from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, which is just a little journey now. So we've left King Herod behind. We're headed just for that little final leg of the journey. We're going to get there, and we're not going to go back and report to King Herod anymore. We're going to stay there. We're going to merge into that Christ consciousness. And ultimately, that is the story of the journey of everyone. And it's the story of Christmas. And it's the story of the Star of Bethlehem. And it's the story of the deep yearning of the heart and soul of each of us. God bless you. Long ago there was a little shed that
So many. 